All right, so today we are picking up where we left off on uh, how to study the Bible. And um, so far, just as a reminder, so far we have looked at part one was preparation. This is where you are praying about what you're studying about. You have chosen a good translation to study from. You have decided what you are going to study. You have set regular time aside each day uh, or at least each week to study, and you have a good attitude in your approach to the study. So you're not in a hurry to finish your study. You're you are simply eager to learn. So we looked at all of that, and we we again we looked at you know how to choose a good translation or the translations you might want to have. <clears throat> we looked at how to set aside some time and when you could study the Bible and how why that's important and all that. So preparation. Part two, we took a look at observation. This is where, um, you know, you're going to just read various translations. You're going to ask some questions, you know, like the who, what, where, how, and why questions. You're just observing what the text has to say, what the Bible has to say. You examine key words. You consult good commentaries. Again, you're just gathering information. Um, you're listening to others on what they have to say about it. So you're listening to other, you know, either Bible teachers or pastors who are preaching on that particular text. Um, again, you're gathering information, you're observing. Um, and this brings us to interpretation. Uh, and so this is the part, interpre interpretation is where you are trying to discern what does it mean? What did it mean to the original audience? What does it mean to us today? Does the Bible address the same subject elsewhere? And does it shed light on the meaning? Okay, so um, today I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about and walk you through um, seven principles of interpretation. Now there, there's more than seven principles, but this is enough for you to get started. Okay. Um, and it'll be it'll be good to introduce you to these and just be aware of them now. We're not going to be able to dive into these in great detail. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, uh, but they will definitely get you going. All right. So uh, if you're going to uh, if you're going to want to have good application, you've got to have good interpretation principles. A lot of bad applications come from poor interpretation skills or sometimes no interpretation skills. I mean, just people just read it, make it whatever they de uh, decide that it is from their own, um, uh, from their own viewpoint and their own culture. So, uh, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna, hopefully this will help you um, um, get to some good application. Uh, so let's just dive into this and, 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 and just be sure to take some good notes and think through. Now, <clears throat> before we get into this, I just want to make sure you're aware that uh, these interpretation principles, you know, it may feel a little overwhelming at first, just like all the, a lot of this stuff, at this, if you're new to this. Um, again, it's like driving. Um, you know, you're thinking about a lot of stuff, and after a while, it just becomes muscle memory, and you just do it with just an awareness that you're doing it, okay? So uh, don't be overwhelmed by this, but just begin to learn, make yourself aware of these principles, keep these things in mind when you are studying the Bible. So principle number one 
um, is called the literal principle. This principle interprets the text according to its plain or literal meaning according to grammatical construction, historical context, and the intention of the author. This is where you look at the plain and obvious meaning, okay? For example, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 3, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? So the literal interpretation takes into account figures of speech and the intent of the author. What is the plain, obvious, and literal meaning of the statement? So take care of your, you know, in other words, this Matthew 7, 3, when Jesus says this, he's just simply saying, take care of your own major problems uh, and issues in your life before you go off trying to help others with similar problems. In other words, you know, don't focus on somebody else's sin um, when you've got this major sin in your life that you need to deal with. Um, so the literal, the literal interpretation, again, takes into account all the figures of speech. And we're going to be talking about a lot of this stuff as we go through it. And the literal approach approaches, the literal, the literal principle approaches the Bible with common sense, meaning of words, and what the author was actually trying to say. You know, some people think a literal interpretation is where, okay, you know, Jesus is talking about a literal speck you know, in your eye and a literal log in your eye. No, 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 no. The Bible uses metaphors, figures of speech, object lessons, uh, all through that. And we just have to keep in mind all these things. But okay, so uh, when, we, when we're interpreting the Bible, you want to start with this literal principle, okay? Just what is the plain meaning of the text? What, what's the obvious statement here, okay? All right, so now, by the way, a lot of these principles, they overlap, and they help one another, and so I'm not sure if there is an actual order, the best order to go through these principles, but you'll just see how they kind of all mix together into uh, something really good if you mix it all together right. All right, now, principle number two, the contextual principle. Now, you may have heard the phrase, a text without a context is a pretext from a proof text, okay? Well, people often quote the Bible out of context and misapply them all the time because they didn't take the time to look at what the context was about. See, this is often considered the first and, and most important principle for accurate interpretation. I mean, it's very important to understand the context of what the statement is being, where the statement is being said. So Bible, Bible scholars use the term context to discuss various aspects of the original writing of the text. So you have historical context, what was going on at the time, uh, social context, political context, religious context, and liter literary context. It is this literary context I'm concerned about in this particular principle. So the writer follows a logical line of thought in what he writes. So what he said in the previous verses or chapters and what he said, said in the ones that follow will help make the text in question clear. So if you got a statement, what does it mean? Well, let's take a look at what, what's being said before and after. Let's get it in context here. Because um, sometimes that just explains the meaning. So before we look at a biblical example, let me give you a simple example, okay? What does the following phrase mean, okay? Here's the phrase. 
it was a ball. All right, what does that mean? Well, the answer depends on the context that that phrase is being used. For example, the baseball umpire saw the pitch drift to the outside and said it was a ball. Another example, we went to the dance last night. In fact, it was so formal, it was a ball. As I was walking along the golf course, I spotted something small and white in the tall grass. It was a ball. I had so much fun at the party, it was a ball. So in each case, the word ball means something completely different. Therefore, context determines meaning. So the nearest context must be given the most weight in interpretation. So uh, far too often, people try to interpret a, uh, a verse in isolation without looking at the context. So, for example, consider Revelation 3.20, which says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now, if this is all you looked at, it would be easy to understand the verse in turn in terms of someone asking Jesus into his or her life, you know, getting saved, becoming born again. And I've heard this verse used that way many times. But the context in the preceding verse, verse 19, is talking about discipline of those whom love Jesus, which would most naturally refer to believers. Also, in looking at the larger paragraph, the passage is to a church so the verse is really addressed to believers who need to repent from their sin and return to fellowship with God. See, context is always important in interpreting what the Bible says. So be careful about just quoting uh, a verse and making sure that, and then giving it some meaning without, before looking at the context. You've got to look at the context, make sure you're accurately uh, understanding what the author means, what the Bible verse is talking about, and context plays a huge part of that. So principle number three, the scripture interprets scripture principle. The scripture interprets scripture and principle. Okay, so we can be confident that God did not reveal an important doctrine in simply a single vague passage. It's amazing me how often people will... Uh, create a significant doctrine in their mind and even teach it and share it with others based on one or maybe two verses. And usually those one or two verses are usually taken out of context. So all essential doctrines and truths are fully and clearly explained, either in the immediate context or somewhere else in the Bible. Never base a belief just on one scripture. The Bible always supports itself. So since the Bible has only one primary author, the Holy Spirit, each part of the Bible is consistent with every other part. We should therefore interpret every passage in the Bible in the light of other biblical passage, passages on the same subject. So interpret difficult passages with clear ones. This is some, sometimes called the law of non-contradiction. See, there are clear passages that teach the doctrine of eternal security that once a person is truly saved, he or she cannot lose their salvation. For example, like John 5, Romans 8. But there are some passages in the Bible 
that are very hard to interpret, like Hebrews chapter 6, verses 2 through 4, where it seems that it may be talking about losing your salvation. But in reality, uh, it is talking about spiritual growth based on the context. If you look at the, what's said before and after, and you're looking at those two or three verses in Hebrews chapter 6, it becomes very clear. He's not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about spiritual growth. All right. So, uh, you know, let other Bible passages guide your thinking and understanding. So make sure you cross-reference. So if you come across something that seems strange, take a look and say, well, does the Bible address this anywhere else? Okay. Uh, and usually you will find that the Bible will make something that seems difficult on one side much more clear as it explains it somewhere else. Okay. So this is the scripture interprets scripture principle. You know, some people call this cross-referencing. Okay. Principle number four. The author's intention principle. So this principle calls for you to get into the author's context, historically, grammatically, and culturally, and the literary forms the author was using. So since we are removed from that uh, time period, of, uh, you know, by about 2,000 years or longer, if you look at the Old Testament, it is important that you have a good study Bible or a commentary that addresses the historical and cultural context of the author. So sometimes we interpret a verse based on our, on our culture, which can be misleading. So we first must ask what it meant to the human author at the time. So when Paul says something, what does he mean by that? You know, what did it mean to his listeners, to him in that culture? You know, so, um, you know, for example, you'll find Paul writing about a lot of issues uh, among the church and believers in the world at the time. And and there were things, uh, he would mention things like, you know, don't, you know, eat uh, meat offered to, uh, to idols, you know, and he would have passages that deal with certain sacrifices. And then he would talk about, sometimes he would talk about women's clothing, or he would talk about other subjects in the Bible that just, you know, culturally it was different at the time, but the, now the principle, whatever he's talking about will remain. And so uh, we need to take a look at what uh, the author's intention was to his audience. So again, this is uh, principles of interpretation. So what did it mean to the original audience? All right. And then you're going to have to get into word studies and background studies and all that kind of stuff. Some passages are difficult. I mean, they just are. And you're going to have to dig in a little bit deeper to make sure that you're just not simply interpreting it through your, you know, uh, current, filter through your culture, through your definitions of words, because words meanings change over time. Um, principle number five, the interpretation versus application principle. Okay. Interpretation and application are not the same. They are connected, but they are different. While there is one interpretation that is historical, there are many applications that can be carried over to our modern context. So as you study the Bible, you will have to bridge interpretation to application all the time. You know, okay, here's what it meant to them 2,000 years ago. Uh, what's the principle that we apply today? Okay, so let me give you an example. In John 12, Mary anoints Jesus with very expensive oil. The historical context records a, a, a historical event. 
The interpretation relates only to what Mary did to Jesus. Interpretation says Mary sacrificially poured expensive oils on Jesus' feet as an act of honor, admiration, and worship. That's the interpretation. That's what she did. Application says, I am to be willing to give sacrificially as an act of honor and admiration and worship, just as Mary did. Okay, so interpretation looks specifically at what was going on at the time and what it meant at the time. Uh, obviously, the Bible's not saying that we should go buy expensive oils and find somebody's feet and dump them on their feet. That's not what the Bible is saying. Uh, so interpretation will, can lead to application, but they're not the same. Another example would be Matthew 7, where Jesus states uh, that we are to love our enemies. Now, based on the context, interpretation says Jesus is telling the people to love even those who may persecute them and make their lives difficult. Application says, I am to love my fellow employee that is making my life difficult at work. I am to love that person that makes fun of me because I'm a Christian. I mean, on and on it goes. I mean, just loving your, whoever's doing harm to you, whoever it, you are to love them. Again, interpretation and application are close, but interpretation deals mainly with what it meant to the original audience. Application is what does it mean to you, okay? Principle number six, the literature principle. Okay, um, the Bible contains many different types of literature, law, narrative, wisdom, poetry, gospel, parable, epistle, and apocalyptic. Each of these types of literature has specific features that must be considered when interpreting the text. So you must understand that where you are in the Bible makes a big difference on how you interpret and apply it. So if you are in, you know, an, uh, you know, uh, poetry, okay, that's going to be a little bit, a section of the Bible. If you're in poetry, that's going to be completely different than say, if you are in, um, the gospels, I mean, it's just, I mean, we don't have time to break down all of these things, but I would encourage you to do some, uh, research and study on the literature principle by itself. And I think your personal study, uh, of this will help you walk through that. Okay when I'm in poetry, this is some principles I need to understand. When I'm in the law, like the Old Testament, here's some things I need to understand, okay? All right, principle seven, and here's the last one. The prescriptive versus descriptive principle. This is a principle that many believers struggle with when studying the Bible. Out of the seven that I have mentioned so far, the two biggest ones that I see happen that are ignored a lot, the principles that are ignored, are the context and this prescriptive versus descriptive principle. Um, this principle asks the question, is the Bible describing an event or is it telling me to do something? See, there is a big difference between the two. See, a prescriptive message or a prescriptive passage is clear about telling you what to do. It's a prescription. Do this. Don't do that. It prescribes action steps for you to do or attitudes to change or truths you need, truths you need to believe. For example, Philippians 4, 6 is a prescriptive text which says, don't worry about anything. Instead, 
pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. <clears throat> so that's very simple. What does it say? Don't worry. Okay. Prescriptive. Pray about everything. Okay, I can do that. Tell God what you need. Well, okay, I can do that. Thank him for all he has done. I can do that. You know, then it gives me the result. If I do these things correctly, then I will experience God's peace, which surpasses all understanding. And I, you know, that's prescriptive, pretty straightforward. All right, here's what you do. A descriptive passage is describing an event. So when Jesus wakes up in the boat during a storm and calms the storm immediately, the author is describing what happened. It's describing something Jesus did so we understand who Jesus is. It's not telling us how to calm a storm. It's describing and demonstrating to us the authority and power of Jesus. Now, within that event, within that description, there may be some principles that we can say, hey, you know what? That might be good. That might be something we need to add on how to deal with the storms of life. I mean, it, it can, it's there, and, and, and that's okay. But the thing is, a lot of people will take a descriptive passage and make it prescriptive. For example, um, uh, recently I've been, uh, teaching through the gospel of Mark and in the gospel of Mark, Mark tells us about how Jesus healed a paralyzed man in Mark chapter two. And then Jesus calms a storm, which I just referred to in Mark chapter four, Jesus heals a demon possessed man in Mark five. Then Jesus heals a woman with constant bleeding in Mark five. And then Jesus, uh, brought a young girl back to life in Mark five. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, there are some well-meaning believers that what they'll do is they'll take the passage like where Jesus heals a demon-possessed man, and they'll say five steps on how to cast out a demon, five things you need to do to cast out a demon. But but what they do, they've made a descriptive passage into a prescriptive passage. But they won't do the same thing when it talks about uh, how to heal. Uh, the five steps of how to heal a woman with constant bleeding or five ways to raise somebody from the dead. So, uh, because you can't, I mean, it makes, this makes sense, but for some reason, sometimes people will land on a, uh, a story or an event, a narrative, you know, uh, a descriptive passage in the Bible and they turn it into some kind of formula when that's not the case. When in reality, all these miracles that Jesus is doing in Mark is just simply just telling us who Jesus is. It tells us something about who we're following, that we understand that he's the God man, that he's the Messiah. He's proven who he is. It, these aren't formulas, prescriptions for us to say, okay, five ways to do this or five ways to do that. Now, again, within that, there are principles that the, the Bible supports that we can work with in our application but we have to be careful and be very aware that we are either in a prescription type passage or we're in a description type passage. And that makes a huge difference on how you interpret and get to the application of that passage. All right. All right. So there are seven principles of interpretation. I know I just sort of unloaded on you with that, but I wanted you to be aware of those. And hopefully that'll be helpful to you as you study through the Bible, um, especially when you're trying to dig into the actual meaning of it. Now, here's what's uh, exciting. And most people want to get to the next step 
And we'll talk about this next time. And we're going to be talking about application. All right. So how do I actually uh, see app, see the application? How do I get to the application? You know, you know, a lot of times you were reading the Bible, we're hearing a sermon, and we say something like, well, so what? You know, I remember when I was um, uh, starting to grow spiritually, and I was listening to preachers a lot closer, and uh, there was this one pastor who's a great pastor in the sense that he just loved people. He preached the truth, but, uh, but every sermon was like a history lesson, the history of Israel, the history of Paul, you know, the history of the early church, you know, um, it was uh, just whatever passage who's coming out, he just sort of shared the history and the cultural context. And he did a lot of that stuff. And, and I would be sitting there and I would go, so what? So, so what? And, um, and because he didn't take it to the next step, he didn't help me to uh, get to the application. What does this mean for me right now? What's God saying to me about my, you know, in my, my life, my future, what does he want me to do, not do, believe, not believe, what is something he's working on in my life? Well, that's where application comes in. And so next time we're going to talk about application and what does that look like and how we can actually apply the Bible to our life in a healthy way. So anyway, and until next time, have a great week and we'll talk to you later.